This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org. Hi, my name is Mac, um, and this is Sip of Success. As you guys may notice, my, uh, some would say better half is missing today. Uh, Matt unfortunately got strep though early this week, poor thing, and is, is catching up on some work. So, but you know, we are committed to our listeners, so we're going to keep steamrolling along, I guess. Uh, podcasting waits for no one, even Matt and his poor strep throat, poor thing. Um, so we have on one of Matt's close friends from his business fraternity um, on today, SOU. Shout out SOU, I love SOU. Um, and her name is Jensen. And Jensen, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Just introduce us. Yeah, um, my name is Jensen Smith. I'm a junior at South Carolina and I study international business, finance, and I also have a concentration in data analytics and a Spanish minor. Um, I'm pretty involved on campus. I'm in an international business fraternity called Sigma Omega Upsilon, um, as you mentioned. And then I also volunteer with a group called Quench and a group called Students Helping Honduras. They're both nonprofit organizations I work with. Um, and I'm also in the Gamecock Consulting Club at the business school. So I stay pretty busy during the week. <laughs> Sometimes staying busy is the best thing you can do, especially during these crazy times, you know, Zoom meeting every hour, you can kind of forget that you don't see your friends as much, all that good stuff. So, um, okay, so you kind of already talked about it, but is there anything else you're involved in on campus or maybe something, you know, you want to be involved in on campus? Yeah, so um, in addition to the organizations that I just kind of mentioned, I also play club field hockey here. Um, I'm not doing it this semester just because of COVID, but um, usually I'm on the team here. And I also do a lot of intramural sports when they have them uh, up and running. But it's been, I think, a little bit of a difficult semester to to do intramural sports. So, yep, hoping to get back to that when COVID's over, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a definitely good. Yeah, pretty involved in the business school overall, but also, like I mentioned, I work with two nonprofits. Um, so the first one is Quench, which is an organization committed to um, alleviating the world water crisis. So we raise money to um, basically provide impoverished towns with filtration systems, um, wells, stuff like that. And then Students Helping Honduras is another nonprofit I work with, which I'll be talking a little bit about today. Um, And that is an ethical nonprofit organization that hopes to alleviate gang violence in Honduras through education. So we raise money to build schools in Honduras. um, And I believe we are at a little bit over 50 schools right now um, throughout Honduras um, in a lot of different communities. So very cool organization that I work with. Yeah, Jensen, that's absolutely awesome. So as she kind of mentioned, she's here to talk about ethical volunteering, which, you know, as someone who um, wants to go to med school, I've always been intrigued by the concept of um, volunteering abroad. I ne- I've never done it. And this could be, I don't, I, I don't want to talk about specific organizations, but I've always very much felt like it was not going to benefit the community at all. Yes, you're offering a lot of the pre-medical fraternities do um trips to wherever they offer free medical stuff and they it's always seemed to me that it's almost 
I guess I don't want to say unethical, but you're what do you know about doing stitches? What do you know about, you know, doing certain types of medical care that you say you're not going to do? But then I always hear stories of people coming back and saying, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that because this hospital was so overrun. So it's never been something that I particularly wanted to do for that, basically for that reason. And I couldn't really afford it. Um, it's, it's an expensive trip for sure. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely intrigued uh, on our talk today, Jensen. So why don't you just talk a little bit more about ethical volunteering for our listeners? Yeah. So, um, kind of how you mentioned with the medical volunteering, that's a big one that, um, kind of has some red flags and it's because long-term problems really do require long-term solutions and those long-term solutions really do need to have, um, experienced volunteers, especially in the medical field. Um, that's one of the big issues that, um, comes with volunteerism is that there are inexperienced volunteers who are being kind of thrust into this position of, of, you know, having assignments to do that they probably wouldn't be able to do, um, in America at home, um, in hospitals here. Um, so kind of moving away from just the medical side of it in general, volunteerism is just when, um, you know, students, especially it's a lot of college age students take volunteer trips, but it's combined with some type of leisure and it's a very short-term trip. Um, and it's, it's got some some problems. Um, so there's always unintended consequences with volunteerism. I don't think that people who go on these trips have bad intentions. Um, there are a lot of great nonprofit organizations, um, but then there are some nonprofit organizations that don't realize that they are causing unintended consequences. Um, so kind of three main things you see happening with volunteerism is first and foremost, the exploitation of children. Um, I, I know a lot of people have probably seen posts like this where it's, you know, a white college student standing in a sea of, you know, young African children or, you know, children from these impoverished communities. And the exploitation really starts when you're going there as a volunteer and you're speaking to a bunch of children who don't know the language that you're speaking and you're asking for photos and that child has no say in where that photo is going, what, what the photo will be used for. Um, and, and really posting that photo is, is exploiting them to the world um, because they, they didn't give consent for that. Um, and then the next big issue is inexperienced volunteers, which I kind of touched on, um, whether it's you know, building schools or, or doing stitches or giving shots or, um, you know, whatever, whatever your volunteering is, a lot of times it's people who have no experience in, in that field or have very minimal experience. Um, so honestly, it ends up causing harm because thing, the jobs aren't getting done the right way. Um, and with that inexperience also comes the short-term aspect of a lot of these trips. Um, a lot of times people are coming into these communities for a week and, you know, they're doing something like say they're building a well. So they go and build a well and it's done at the end of the week and then they leave and they go back to their lives. Well, what happens when a week later the well breaks? The community doesn't know how to fix it, how to maintain it, um, how to keep up with it if they're not taught that. Um, so that's another, another kind of consequence. Um, and then another particular aspect that a lot of people don't know about is when you're working particularly with orphanages. Um, so the orphanage system in a lot of impoverished um, countries is kind of a scheme. Um, so a lot of these orphanages are made to look really 
um, desolated and, you know, really poor conditions. Um, and a lot of times it's on purpose and it's because they want American tourists to come and give them their money. Um, there's actually a trade where, um, in a lot of these countries, families can rent their children out to go be in the orphanage for um, a short amount of time while American volunteers are there and to look really miserable and um, look as though they're not um, being well kept or look as if they don't have a family, but really it's, it's these poor families are trying to make money and they are doing that to their children so that Americans will donate money. Um, so there's just a lot of aspects to it that things kind of go wrong. You may know, I don't know if Matt told you, I'm public health. So um, I'm a public health major. I'm not all of public health, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, I read an article about that, about how there's several villages in India that were literally starving children so that they would look like they were poor and needed comfort while people would come and donate like $10,000 and the children wouldn't receive any of it and be basically being abused. It's right. horrible. It's really kind of sad, you know, right. that that's become such a, something that started so well-meaning has become such a, like a scam, I guess. Yeah. And especially with, you know, the children in these orphanages, those who actually are like needing a family. Um, a lot of times the, there are like very short-term relationships built. So they're, they're receiving comfort and, um, you know, attention from these American volunteers for a very short amount of time. And so they're getting attached very quickly. And so then when you are doing that and then you hop on a plane back to America, that child experiences like a loss of a relationship and it happens over and over and over again. And the children are negatively impacted because they can't form meaningful relationships because it's all so short term. Um, so that's, I mean, that's another really sad part about that. Um, and it kind of goes back into the exploitation of children. And, you know, I think a lot of it's unintentional. I'm not here on this podcast to tell everyone that their volunteer organization is unethical and that they're terrible people for doing it. It's just about kind of teaching people ways to look for ethical organizations, um, which I can go into if you want. Um, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain hierarchy of what to look for when um, wanting to work with an organization, because a lot of people like me, I really love working with nonprofits, but it was always really important to me from the start to look for nonprofits that um, aren't unintentionally harming the communities. Um, so Students Helping Honduras, for example, um, that organization is kind of how I catapulted my, my passion for learning about this stuff. Um, so it's an ethical volunteering organization. And I, I told you earlier, we raise money to build schools in Honduras. Um, and so we're trying to get kids in school so that they can have another option besides joining a gang because gang violence is rampant in Honduras and a lot of, um, a lot of Latin American countries. Um, so things to look for and things that Students Helping Honduras embodies is local empowerment um, and native led uh, projects. So what Students Helping Honduras does is they were started in um, early 2000s, I can't remember the exact year, but um, basically the guy Shin who founded Students Helping Honduras went in and he hired all the people in that community to build the school. So the money that we raise goes towards the wages of the people building the schools there, the, um, the supplies to build the schools. Um, so it's creating jobs in the community, which helps the economy of these really desolate towns, um, really small 
small, poor areas. And so it's creating jobs. Um, and another form of creating jobs is when us volunteers go over there, um, we're there to give sweat equity. So we're there to just give a helping hand for the, the heavy stuff that needs to be lifted for just a very short period of time in the winter. But it's not our project. It's the Honda Mason's project. We're literally there to mix cement and um, carry the bricks and stuff like that. It's it's not us in there hammering and nailing a school together because that's not what we know how to do. Um, they're giving us the easy tasks that it would just take them a lot longer with because it's a small group of Honduran Masons. It would take them a lot longer to do without us as volunteers. Um, so sweat equity is really important. It's not just us paying a load of money to go there and just build a school that we don't know how to build. Um, so that's something important about it. Um, also just listening and learning. So being there, it, it's not about the American volunteers. It's, it's not, it's not our vacation. Um, we're there to listen and learn. So we're there to learn about the, the gang crisis in Honduras. We're there to, um, see what they need help with in their project. Um, and it's all very community centered, which is awesome. And jobs, not handouts. It's it's so important to, you know, create a system where they can keep doing this when we're not there. It's not our thing, um, which is really cool about it. And it, it makes it a lot more sustainable. Um, and then the other thing about Students Helping Honduras is that we don't go into a community and tell them, hey, we're building a school here. Um, we just have a reputation in Honduras where a community can reach out to us and say, hey, our school is falling apart. Can you come help us fix it? Or we need another school in this town. Um, it's very them coming to us. It's never us imposing ourselves um, on a community because I think like a lot of people in developed countries like America think that um, there's kind of like a, a notion that these underdeveloped countries can't fix their own problems. And that's just not the truth. It, it creates a um, kind of a, a, an unbalanced, unbalanced view of what these countries are. And you, if you go there, you'll see like, they know they have these problems and they know how to fix them. It's just about having the resources. Um, so we're kind of the, the financial backing and, and the resources, but it's their problem that they're fixing. And that's how, you know, this long-term solution can fix this long-term problem. Um, so that's a little bit about students helping on Doris. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think I especially like that y'all recognize that you do not know how to use power tools. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was always a big thing for me. It's like, I, there's no way. Like Habitat for Humanity, um, I volunteered with them one time with my dad, and it was like a bunch of grown men who worked in construction who knew everything about building a wheelchair ramp, whatever, right? Um, but it's always terrified me that you could be in a country with probably not the best medical setup and these college students who have no idea what they're doing are handling power tools. But yeah. I, I, and then there's the other aspect of it. You're right. You're putting all those um, Honduran carpenters to work and, and stonemasons. And I think that is amazing too, because it's, it's money going back into the community, but not just being, I guess, being donated, but being donated to do a bigger purpose for everybody. I love that. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And like, even when we go, we have, um, they also like employ the women in the community and they're the people that cook our food when we're there and, um, you know, 
kind of run the day-to-day procedure. So it's all Honduran employees. It's not us just going over there and hanging out in Honduras with no purpose. <laughs> yeah, which I think is, I mean, that's awesome. So what would you like listeners to know about it? Obviously you talked a good, a good bit about a variety of things, but if you could give them maybe one takeaway and, and one or something to look forward to, whatever. Yeah, so I think like the biggest thing I would want people to take away is how to find a proper volunteer organization because um, like I mentioned, like people, some people like myself really do like working for nonprofits and don't want to ever impose unintended consequences on these communities. Um, so I guess some tips I have for how to properly find a type of ethical organization is um, don't be afraid to do your research. Um, you can research ethical volunteering, volunteering options. Um, don't volunteer in an orphanage. They're usually schemes and it's usually a really terrible system. Um, adopt a learning mindset. So go in knowing that you don't know anything and that you're there to learn. Um, and, you know, consider the sustainability of your skills. So consider, like I said, if you don't know how to use a power tool, don't try to use power tool. You don't know how to do stitches or you're just learning in your first nursing class or whatever, you know, don't, don't offer to do that type of stuff if you if you know you can't do it 100% properly. Um, and also just ask the organization lots of questions so that you can come to these answers because um, if you don't ask questions, you don't know the answers. And yeah, I mean, another, I guess the last thing is um, with students helping Honduras, like we always talk about being a sidekick. It's not our project. Um, so have that sidekick mentality and know that you're kind of just the sweat equity and um, you know, the people in these, in these situations know how to solve their problems, but you're just there to help as best you can. So be an ethical uh, volunteer. So those are the big takeaways. Yeah, I think that's also, it's important to always learn in, in every situation, but sometimes I feel there's a self-righteous idea that we're the wealthy country, we're the, which we're the most civilized, which is just not even true. Yeah. And that you would know better than people um, in public health it's, it's a pretty big emphasis on go to them and, and learn what they need you to do. Don't just go in and dump money or give money to grassroots organizations already happening in their country. You know, don't just try to uproot everything. You don't, you don't know anything and, and you need to take that approach. So I really like that, Jensen. I think that was a good, a good point. So what would you say your biggest gain from the experiences of ethical, ethical volunteering have been? Yeah, um, my biggest gain was probably, well, I guess the instance I realized my biggest gain was when I went to Honduras, um, I didn't unfortunately get to go last winter, but freshman year when I went, um, my biggest gain, I guess, was seeing it firsthand and seeing that it was a community-centered, a community-led project um, because I had heard a lot about it in our meetings uh, prior to the trip and I had understood all the concepts of ethical volunteering, but just going there and being a part of it, like it's it's true, like you do feel like a sidekick, but it's like a great feeling. It's like these people, like you just get such a different impression, like, because like you said, like people think America is superior and knows how to fix everyone's problems and and you go there and like everyone you meet and talk to is so smart and so knowledgeable about their own community as I mean any community knows the most about their own community you know so it's just like it was really cool to just actually see it firsthand and and get a different perspective because I think Americans think that we can solve all which is just not true um so going there was definitely 
definitely a huge experience for me and, and has made me so passionate about um, ethical volunteering. Um, I'm actually doing my senior thesis about it. So I just submitted my proposal and I'm really excited to keep researching and, and get more uh, um, get more knowledgeable on it because I don't know everything about it. I'm trying to learn, but um, it's it's a cool topic for me. Yeah, thanks so much, Jensen. I really enjoyed our conversation today. We'll be happy to link all of that in our in our Instagram page, um, which if you're not following is sip.of.success for all our, our new listeners out there. So uh, go ahead and give us a follow. We appreciate it all. Alrighty, well, everybody, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again, Jensen. Thank you.